from the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to thee. Uh, this is Patrick Timpone. Uh, welcome back. We had a good show this morning on uh, soul, mind, body, and how to uh, um, how work with, um, yeah, you know, the whole thing. What do we like? To, we love to talk about. And now we are going to talk more about physical food with uh, a very interesting lady. By the way, uh, let's invite you in if you have a question or a comment. 888-663-6386. Email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, this uh, lovely lady has, uh, has been with us before. Her name is Sally K. Norton. And uh, she has um, written a new book, and it's called Toxic Superfoods. And we talked to her earlier when we first started getting into to carnivore about the oxalates. And this is all tying in with the superfoods and vegetables and stuff like that at sallyknorton.com and you can pre-order the book and she's going to tell you why you want to do that because you get a little special good thing like uh, a no-oxalate salad. Or, I don't know, she'll give you something. <laughs> Miss Sally Kay, good good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. It's nice to be with you, Patrick. Thanks right. for having me on your show. Oh, sure. It's it's fun. It's fun. It is. So this, <laughs> this oxalate thing that you've been working on for a long time uh, let, let's um let's throw that out there because it's a, in the title of the book right uh and uh, so folks don't know what oxalates are we get new people all the time why don't you give them the short course i mean you got more you've got more um uh, stuff like an education to check this out bachelor of science nutrition from cornell master of public health degree from the university of north carolina she managed a five-year National Institute of Health program at UNC. She's read more books and done more studies, and she's just a big egg cat. I, but you, it's good. Eggs are good for you. So, you know, I'm, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're a geek. So tell folks what oxalates are and why we maybe not want to have more than we need. Yeah, we definitely don't even need them at all. Oh. So less is always better with something you don't need. Uh, it clutters up your body pretty badly. Oxalates are a set of chemicals that become crystals in the body. Hmm. And the stuff, as it's getting into your body, it's a free-flowing acid chemical called oxalic acid, which is very reactive and causes oxidative stress, which is the thing that we talk about with cell degeneration and early aging and disease. Hmm. And all kinds of other cell damage, you know, wrecking the powerhouses that make our energy for the cells. The mitochondria get messed up. The membranes get messed up. So, and not only does it shorten the lifespan of the cells, it's going to interfere with the cell's ability to do their normal jobs that they do. So, it can mess up glands and all kinds of tissues. And then these crystals get stuck in areas in the body where you've got inflammation or the cells are getting old and dying, which happens all the time. You're constantly regenerating new cells. And the old geriatric ones that are dying off become this kind of sticky sort of dead material that the oxalic acid will precipitate out and become crystals near that area. And then we'll grow because we keep adding more oxalate to the bloodstream and then the tissues because we're eating it a lot and we're eating it a lot because it's in these foods that we like and <laughs> potatoes and peanuts and almonds and chocolate and spinach and spinach, spinach. and chard 
Kale? Spinach kale. and kale bean greens? Not so much in kale. Oh. Kale is a little bit higher than cabbage, but kale is a cabbage vegetable. And that whole family of vegetables, which has been exploded by human cleverness into hundreds of kinds of vegetables, that whole group is less likely as a species to produce this stuff. You see, the plants are naturally making it. It's not like a pesticide that mm-hmm. we're spraying on it. Mm-hmm. The plants have to make their own pesticides to protect themselves. So they they load themselves up with various chemicals so that they don't get eaten into extinction, which would happen if they were completely you know, benign. That's, that's pretty, so they're that's busy pretty, protecting that's, themselves with oxalic acid. That's pretty smart of them. Uh, there's a survival kind of a evolutionary, don't eat my kids and you know I can make more babies and stuff. And these ox, why don't why doesn't uh, uh, the the uh, everyday cardiologist or GP or uh, doctor that our listeners go to know about this? I mean, come on, did you? Where did you find out if they don't? I mean, how come they don't know about it? <laughs> that was one of my big questions when I realized how <laughs> devastating it was for me to have been eating a diet full of Swiss chard my whole life and my love of sweet potatoes, it turned out, mm. was ruining me. And I had no idea, despite my lifelong interest in preventing illness and studying nutrition and being a goody two-shoes and living clean and good so that I would <laughs> be productive and happy and active and not in the hospital, and wow. not decrepit. So despite all my efforts, I didn't know either. And unfortunately, none of us who are conventionally trained, even alternative healthcare providers are not trained in this. It's sort of hiding around in the literature. And the sad part is, is that science is not like this um, big democracy that covers every topic the same. It's a place of human beings who get fads and interests and, and certain clever people get interested in certain things. And then we fund certain things because we believe they're important. And then we start having, uh, you know, funding lines for researchers. And so you apply for what's popular. So we've had phases in health and, and nutrition and um, medical research for, since the dawn of the whole enterprise. And the early phase was, well, let's figure out how to deal with infectious diseases and we developed penicillin and all that and and things, you know, evolved and eventually we discovered there's a genome and we should get we should study the genome. And then we are worrying about things nowadays, we're worrying about the microbiome. And we have big problems with, oh, it was the war on cancer in the 70s, and then it was AIDS. And now it's diabetes and obesity, and all kinds of other now uh, autoimmune conditions and so on that are getting attention. And so all that to say is that Oxley got swept under the bus. <laughs> it's been in science for since the 1700s. Hmm. It's an important chemical to chemistry. They use it in chemistry a lot. They use it in a lab a lot. They use it at the medical doctor's office. You use it in cleaners. People in industrial uh, applications use it all the time in photography and, and production of fabrics and so on. Oxalic acid is well known to science and industry, but not to us, the consumer, who happens to be eating it in our spinach smoothies. Um, spinach. So is this just like a thing that we just want to kind of not really do a lot of, but are you suggesting that these oxalate vegetables and other, uh, other things, and even the superfoods in your book, have these oxalates that we just don't, we want to avoid them? Are you really saying just don't, don't go there, or just a little bit is okay? A little bit is okay. A little bit is what they think we're eating, actually. This is one reason why it's not being studied is because 
the scientists, which are now in the last 30 years, mostly the kidney researchers, because oxalate is famous for wrecking your kidneys because mm. it's the main ingredient in a kidney stone. And the kidney literature has been showing for a long time that the major kidney toxin that leads to all kinds of kidney diseases is oxalate. But that isn't news either, even to urologists. <laughs> Because, you know, we haven't developed a drug. There's not good ways to test for it. So without a drug and good tests, what's the point? No. No. <laughs> if you don't have something to do for it, what are they going to do? Right? They're, they're not gonna... Well, that's part of the mentality. Like, oh, well, we don't, because there is something to do for it. It's called prevention. But really, since we converted our health system over to a for-profit entity, the idea of prevention has just moved to diagnostic testing not so much lifestyle and diet which is hard to teach and time consuming to teach and the mainstream medical people are frustrated that people don't do exactly what they tell them so they don't trust us to change our diet so they'd prefer to give us a drug mm -hmm. well, well do uh, so animals will well but animals aren't going to eat chard and stuff like that anyway it's in the garden i don't i don't kind of get why the chard would create it, you know, I'm kind of, I got lost there for a minute. I mean, they're not out in the wild anyway. Who's going to eat them? Well, the original out in the wild high oxalate food is sorrel, which sorrel. there's many forms oh. of sorrels, actually. Sorrel is just an old French term meaning sour. Mm. So oxalic acid adds a lot of tartness to vegetables. It's partly why we like them, I think. Um but the sorrel, there's different kinds of plants that are called sorrel, and they're all high in oxalate. And the, originally, that's when the chemists were originally manufacturing oxalate was the juice of sorrel plants back I, in the late 1700s. I see. So your new book, and that uh, we're going to tell how folks can, can pre-order. And uh, let me put the slide up there so they can see it. And this pretty, it's a nice cover. Um, how oxalate overload is making you sick and how to get Better Superfoods, Toxic Superfoods by Sally K. Norton. And we're going to tell you here this morning how you can pre-order and get a little special gift and everything. And if you uh, care to join us with an email, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay, I remember when the whole superfood thing started. I don't know the term, I guess, what was it? Maybe 1980 or so? You know, 90? Mm -hmm. The superfood thing started, you know. And and one of the big ones um, is cacao, chocolate. Are you going to tell us that chocolates have these oxalates? Are you going to really do that to us? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be a bearer of bad news. It's really never something I wanted to do. That's why I worked in academia, so I wouldn't have to argue about what we should be eating. I really don't like to know <laughs> what to eat. Don't but like to do that. I do spend time in the library and try to be truthful about the facts. And so I do want to be a truthful interviewing admit, yes, the cacao portion, the cocoa portion of chocolate, that's the dark brown part, is loaded with bioavailable oxalic acid that gets easily into your body and is quite toxic. Whoa. How is that even possible? Oh, chocolate's full of all kinds of other nasties, too, including lead contamination and theobromide and other things that aren't necessarily that great for us. But, you know, like you said, there was this thing that showed sure. up, this idea of superfoods, which came on the heels quickly because it's the commercial application of a theory that has now been proven wrong, that plant chemicals are antioxidants. That plant they, chemicals are antioxidants, and that is a... 
proven disproven theory disproven theory so so then the whole superfood thing with the raw juicing and the raw movement and all that they were just um misguided god love them yes hmm yes whoa oh i know so don't to take greens don't have antioxidants they don't have good stuff for us greens they have um you know polyphenols and mm-hmm. tannins and, and these compounds which have good and bad sides and the, they're mostly toxic the tannins you have to really minimize tannins but uh if you get them in just the right dose and you have the right microbiome mm-hmm. and you have the right genetics if all those things are happening none of which we know what they are specifically <laughs> then they will stimulate your body to defend itself against their nastiness so it, it does create an antioxidant response in some people at certain under the right conditions because it's tickling the body and saying hey you got to defend yourself here and it, it the body whips up a self-defense and so we make more glutathione and antioxidant chemicals ourselves in response to these plant chemicals that are inherently toxic so that's where the whole antioxidant thing in greens got started and it's just kind yeah. of a, 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 a a train that's a runaway train downhill like it just you can't stop it because it sells it sells because everybody likes well i'll just get a superfood smoothie right i'll just do a superfood smoothie yep and this is the last 20 years it's been particularly just push 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 and now like anybody does it you can be 80 you can be five everybody knows how to do a smoothie (laughs) yeah right right so what would be the the well, you, people are using almond milk like crazy, Sally Kay, so that's not a good one. Almonds are really loaded with oxalates, aren't they? They really are loaded with bioavailable oxalate that gets into your blood. And it turns out, hmm. old research is turning out to be true. There's this original study that studied the toxicity of oxalic acid that was published, believe it or not, Patrick, in 1823. Wow. And what he showed was the more dilute the solution of oxalate, the more toxic it was. And that's almond milk right there. It's a dilute, you know, a handful, just you want in a whole big jug of it that's mostly water. But that oxalic acid is now so freely dissolved in that water, it is really able to reach your cells and reach your tissues and be very toxic. So even though it has less oxalate than, say, keto bread made of almond flour Mm -hmm. which is really intense um the almond milk is quite um harmful and we've seen that and there was a research report on three or four cases of children from pittsburgh i believe it was a pennsylvania hospital reporting on children damaged by their parents feeding them almond milk almond milk that's fascinating where it could actually be worse because of the dilution thing in the liquid than actually eating the almond itself. That's kind of... Perhaps. No one's actually done a direct um, study of this because what we're doing is we're bridging modern phenomenon, modern research from a couple years ago with research done in the 1820s. So people haven't like put together this whole pile of thousands and thousands of reports to say, hey, don't eat so much oxalate. And it shows up here and there and here and there are scattered through the nutrition literature, the medical literature, the case reports. And hardly anybody is listening because ah, we're on this train, downhill train that 
is really going downhill. We're sending our health downhill on this runaway antioxidant madness. Um, but a good antioxidant is not a bad thing, right? If you can get a good harm, harmless one. Well, the, the literature looking at vitamin E and vitamin C says if you take them chronically, that you your lifespan is shortened. Right. Because what you're doing is you're turning off the body's own um, signaling within a cell. The cell actually uses some free radicals that the mitochondria make to tell itself when it needs to be actively producing more glutathione and antioxidants itself. So if you take a lot of antioxidants, you might squelch those natural pro-oxidant chemicals the cells need to the point where this, the system isn't defending itself properly. And so you're undoing the body's own defenses by interfering with the body's in inherent wisdom. You know, I, I think you're onto something as, as you know, months and days and years pass on with the, in this field, we're finding that a lot of supplementation or it's just not good. I mean, the body doesn't know what the heck's going on, right? Taking extra. Remember that it was so controversial 25 years ago or so when they came out with the beta carotene studies. They were supplementing beta carotene and it was terrible for people to supplement beta carotene. <laughs> <laughs> it in increased the cancer. I can't remember the details. And it was something about smokers either doing worse or better on it, but. It, you know, we we were such a gas at the time. Like, how could beta carotene? At the because we had just been through thirty years of people using carrot juicing for cancer. Like, we all believed in it, <laughs> so it was pretty disturbing. And we didn't want to believe that the beta carotene supplements were bad. And so we've been putting our head in the sand about all the information we do have and not looking at it straight on. And with each passing year, too, more and more uh, folks are are really rethinking this whole idea of a lot of vitamin C is good for us, right? Like ascorbic I, acid. I, it, yeah. I wish we would rethink it. And unfortunately, the COVID thing has got more and more messengers saying, take C to not get sick. Right. And C works great when you are sick. You probably do need to supplement C when you're sick, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not a good idea as a massive prevention that you do willy-nilly. And like I said, the studies show if you do that, you might live a shorter life, but also it, it might uh, cause oxalate poisoning. But isn't sick a detoxification? Because we don't get sick, right? <laughs> so what does C do when you do when you take it if you had a cold or flu, which I believe is a detox uh, mechanism? Well, the C supports your, you have to make more white blood cells when you're sick with an infection. Okay. And in order to produce good, high-functioning white blood cells, you need vitamin C. They need, the, they're the ones who use that vitamin C. So when you have more white cells, you need more C. And also, if you eat more carbs, you need more C. So if you're eating a high-carb diet, you're more likely to get sick, probably. And you definitely need to be thinking about how much vitamin C you're getting. The problem with, you know, C is it comes in these doses that are like a gram or five grams. Right, right. People would take that multiple times a day, which is toxic uh, because the C is a pro-oxidant itself, but it also degenerates into oxalate in the body. And uh, many people have argued this thing for bowel tolerance. Have you heard that one? Just keep oh, taking, sure. yeah, keep taking C until you poop, and then back You're off a little bit. So what is that? Leaking all over yourself. <laughs> now, what does that tell you if if you take something and you have to poop? I mean, what does that even tell you, right? Right. <laughs> well, and of course, 
part of it is because the body tries to limit its absorption of the C. And so with a quote, poor absorption of C, like, please stop telling the body what to do, people. <laughs> it, the body has to limit absorption of toxins. And so you end up with this extra C in the colon and it causes watery diarrhea. Well, I sure have uh, taken my share of uh, cacao powder over the years in smoothies, which I stopped about four, five, six months ago when I first heard your your first interview. It introduced me to you. Thank you very much. Um, what's the difference between like taking scoops of cacao and just getting organic chocolate that everybody loves? I mean, is there a lot of oxalates in that too, chocolate bar? Yeah, the darker the chocolate, the more oxalates. Oh, good. So your white chocolate doesn't really have any because it's not in the fat fraction. Oxalate is te technically water soluble. So fats don't have it. It's the powdery, the dark stuff. So the darker, the more oxalate. Hmm. So two emails here, uh, two different people. What are symptoms oxalate poisoning? I can't believe she's saying this. I eat vegetables all the time. Okay. So you know, what are the main symptoms? And I, I suspect that people can get over-oxalated for a long time before they ever even feel anything? Is that fair statement? Like all all diseases, it's yeah. be silent. But if you know what to look for, you might pick it up bef you know, much quicker than your doctor ever would. And that is, if you ever have a urine sample and it comes back with blood in it, that's a sign. Wow. If you get cloudy urine, that could be crystal urine where the oxalate crystals are forming in the urine. So if it, you can't really, if it's a little, a little murky or, or whitish, that could be crystal urea from oxalates. If you've ever had bladder pain or bladder, you know, jumpiness or, you know, sort of incompetent bladder, that could be oxalates irritating your bladder and making it hard for the sphincter to work properly and also whipping up mast cells inside your bladder that gives you what feels like a rash. I mean, it's almost like having a rash inside your bladder is quite painful. That's often called interstitial cystitis. If you've had a kidney stone, that is a dead ringer for an oxalate problem. <laughs> uh, and then there's, so that's like the urinary tract. That's okay. one area where you're likely to see problems, but often that's late stage because the kidneys are kind of the end of the road because that's where the oxalate's leaving the body. Right. And the kidneys have to concentrate it on the way out. And so they're, they're actually built to handle it. And most of us can handle a lot of oxalate without getting kidney stones. It's just a small, maybe 15% of the population is prone to the kidney stones. I, I've never had a kidney stone, and I have been peeing out lots of crystal urea for decades and decades. You and still my kidneys do. Are, so wow. I'm just finishing that. Now, I've been eating low oxalate, oxalate aware for almost nine years. I started around Thanksgiving in 2013, and I... For the first time now, I really have consistently don't have cloudy urine anymore, where it used to be most of the time. Very interesting. Uh, Sally it's came nice. I'm moving past moving the, uh, past the whole yeah, process but... of undoing these crystals out of my tissues. So it took nine years of being on a diet to be undoing the crystals that had built up in my system. And I'm sure there's still more in my backbone. <laughs> still more. So if you want to keep going on symptoms, we could talk about the connective tissues or the pain and neurological symptoms or the digestive symptoms. Those are all areas where oxalate is messing with our function. So it could be a lot of different things that people have no idea. Heartburn, Absolutely. whatever, constipation, whatever, right. right? We're down there affecting individual cells, nerve cells, muscle cells, huh. immune cells. And so 
whatever function is being interrupted with and seriously interrupted and interfered with is going to be where the symptoms are showing up or where the inflammation in response to the crystals like neuroinflammation you can get mood anxiety i've had several people tell me they had severe disabling anxiety for decades and decades and now they're completely free of it wow just getting off oxalates just getting off the chocolate and sweet potatoes and chard a sweet potato is a real high one and they they used to tell us remember uh, that, that the sweet potatoes were the better. Oh, they're they're much more nutritious than white potatoes. Eat sweet potatoes. Right? Yeah, the, I was told they're low allergy. Mm -hmm. They're gluten free. When I figured out I couldn't eat wheat anymore, I converted to sweet potato as my standard starch, and I would eat them for breakfast. And then sometimes, you know, I had them a lot, and the sweet potato did me in. <laughs> my best friend did me in. So you ate a lot of them. Oh, I did. I really loved them. Yeah. Um, I regret it. Would you like to hear a bladder story? You'll like this. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. So four and a half months ago, I'm up in the middle of the night. Somebody from Japan sends me a video of Sally K. Norton being interviewed about oxalates. So I'm sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning going, what? And I don't know. It was just one of those things. You know, I saw you. I, you know, you just intuitively know when somebody knows what they're talking about. You've had that right, experience? Yeah. I said, this girl knows what she's talking about. So I immediately cut out I looked at all my diet, and you can't believe what I was eating, Sal. I mean, I charred almost every day. Uh, almonds oh, no. every morning in my life for the last five years. Soaked almonds. Um, spinach. Love spinach. Uh, turmeric every day. I mean, I was right on the top of the list of these high oxalate foods, right? So I said, well, mm. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, okay. So I said, okay, I'm not going to eat any more of those. And I was doing a checklist. What can I eat? Then I figured out that the only thing I could eat was meat, so I turned to a carnivore diet. I did it the one night. You know, I just changed, you know. Boom. Probably not supposed Ooh. to do that. But, you nope. know, for, for years, <laughs> for years I had this little pain, kind of like a, just a little energy down in my bladder. I knew it was there for years, right? And I knew I had to, I peed more often than, but I never worried about it. I thought it's going to work itself out. It just will. So it'll be fine because I don't go in there and try to fix things, you know, because, I know oftentimes it causes more problems than it solves, you know, when you try to fix stuff. So I just lived with it for three or four years. And I and then I went totally carnivore two months after that, or maybe three months, my my bladder started really hurting, really hurting one day, and after the next day it never hurt again. Boom. Gone. It has Gone. never been isn't that cool? So I know it was an oxalate thing. It had to be an oxalate. I didn't do anything else. Why is it gone now? It's gone. It's gone. It's very convincing when you live this. Yeah. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of followers who are severely convinced, like deeply affected by this, deeply convinced and have trouble talking about it with anyone else because they are not willing to try it out and see how their body shifts under the less toxic diet. Yeah. Yeah. So these little crystals get in the bladder and other places, and they're just, that was what I was feeling and didn't know what I was feeling, right? Probably that and, and any kind of immune uh, activity trying to manage that. Mm -hmm. Your immune cells are, unfortunately, the hazmat workers who have to go after this mess and clean it up. And they, they themselves create a little mess as they're trying to clean it up. So they, they themselves can create symptoms as part of the solution to it, too. Oh, so the body is, is, is trying to figure out 
why my little bladder was not happy, and that contributes to the problem. To the symptoms, uh, yes. To the symptoms. Right. Would there any be? Would there have been any other way I, c- I would have been able to really heal this without getting off of oxalates? No. 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 You have to get to the root poisoning, <laughs> take out the poison, and then, whoa, your body's happily doing its business of making you well again. Uh, Sally, stay right there. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to sell you a product here, or, or promote it anyway, selling you, if, only if you want to buy it. It's pine pollen from alfalfa antler, from uh, from real pollen from the trees and the birds and the bees. And then we're going to be back, and we're going to ask Sally about giving us some more of these superfoods, the ones that maybe we want to quit eating, and uh, so we'll do it here. Say that. How come that's not working? Okay. The first supplement I like to take in the morning, right after I wake up, is Pine Pollen Pure Potency, or P4. This is Cirque Rival's flagship testosterone and androgen support formula. It's made with the pollen of pine trees, which is rich in testosterone, androstenedione, DHEA, and a bunch of plant sterols. These are all substances, phytochemicals, that support the body's natural androgens, or male hormones. Of course, men and women are using this product, but usually it's men in andropause, men after age 40 whose testosterone production has started to decline. Many of Cirque Rival's supplements can be taken any time of day, but Pine Pollen Pure Potency, it's important that you take at very specific times of the day. Now it can be taken once, twice, or three times depending on how much you want to supplement yourself with the phytoandrogens found in it. But the key is taking it at morning, right upon waking, midday or noon, and then again right before bed. So once, twice, or three times a day, but always at those times. And that's because that's when your body's naturally producing its own testosterone. And all we want to do is amplify that sine wave. We don't want to start to take testosterone at a time where our body's purged it from the bloodstream. Instead, we want to take it at a time where those levels are already spiking and we're just subtly helping to increase them. This product tastes fantastic. I think of it like an orange creamsicle. And that's because in addition to that subtle pine flavor, there's a little bit of orange peel, Tahitian vanilla bean, cloves, and then a little bit of maple syrup just to give it this nice kind of sweet orange flavor. So it's really delicious and easy to take. So if you're looking to increase your testosterone or androgen levels and you want an alternative to pharmaceutical testosterone replacement therapies, there's nothing that does it better than pine pollen pure potency. You betcha baby, I think you'll really like it. It's a it's a wonderful product from Sir Thrival and it's just one of the many products that they have. Uh, one of our faves that we, we're, we're beginning to do in the morning now is this uh, a colostrum. I just, I haven't quite got around to being able to, to do a steak in the morning, but bacon works pretty good. But anyway, colostrum is fun. My body likes that, and I seem to do, do really well with it. But you can get a good colostrum at Sir Thrival, and then Elk Velvet Antler is another uh, little product that helps to uh, libido, you know, things like that. So um, it's a great company, and uh, um, stop by and see them and see what they see what they have for you. If I can hit the right button here, I can do the next one, but it doesn't want to work. Uh, one of our favorite things ever, ever, ever is to get in the relaxed far infrared sauna, and I do this every night of my life. And now what I do is you shouldn't do what I do because I'm crazy. You can get crazy too, and then God knows you're. Husband may leave you, but our wife. Um, but anyway, these are really nice saunas, uh, really wonderful saunas. Um, they're 
incredibly low electromagnetic fields. There's no RFs. There's a little bit of magnetic and um, magnetic, but whenever there's a motor, you have some magnetic energy, but it's no more than when you're driving your car. So if magnetic energy was going to kill you, you'd be dead because you're driving your car. Because I've got these meters and I check my cars. Um, uh, here, here's a, a fun fellow we talked to um, about the sauna. Previously with Dr. Thomas Rao, the Pericles Medical Clinic in Switzerland. Their specialty is detoxification. We asked him about far-infrared saunas. The far-infrared sauna goes much deeper into the skin subcutaneously. It has its maximum about four to five centimeters below the skin surface. You've actually measured materials in the sweat and you've proven this. Yes, the, the patients after a week doing this every day, half an hour or 45 minutes, they react quite much with wet. Then you can collect this wet, then you measure this, and then you find how much they detoxify with the heavy metals. It's really amazing. It really is kind of amazing. And uh, we have a, a terrific video on our sauna landing page with the. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she's talking all about the arteries and the veins and the hearts and everything and your heart and, and how it's a benefit to get the far infrared sauna. So there's a lot more going on than just a detoxification. The only way you can get uh, the price is to email moi, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Tell me where you live, and I'll give you the, the delivered price, and we ship them all over the world all over the world, everywhere. I think the only place we can't do it, somehow Germany doesn't want them in. I, I don't know what the Germans got against sweating, but you have to talk to Andrea Merkel, baby, or whatever, who was ever in charge at the time. I don't know. Anyway, just email me, and uh, and we'll hook you up, okay? Oh, that didn't seem to work. Oh, I'll do the right button. I know I can do the right button when I try. From the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're with Sally K. Norton. You see her book, Toxic Superfoods. Okay, so what are some other superfoods to uh, that, that we have been eating oh, for the last 20 years that are just not good and full of oxalates? What are some of the other big ones on the list? Well, buckwheat is a big one. Buckwheat. So people oh, go, come on. Buckwheat is Yeah, great. I know, right? It can be your little favorite pet secret love. Some <laughs> people really like it. It's got a very strong flavor. It makes these really nice soba noodles that the Japanese yep, like. Yep, yep. Um, and, so, and it sneaks into other things, too. Buckwheat is really high. It's in the same family with rhubarb. And these things are, rhubarb is off the charts as is really the the worst one in terms of amount is Swiss chard and beet greens, which is basically wow. the same. Yeah. Swiss and then there's and things like star fruit, which is a medical food that's considered a great superfood in Asia uh, and uh, uh, South yeah. America. Uh, here it's just considered kind of a cool garnish, but uh, the raspberries aren't so great, especially the blackberries. They're not so good. Um, let's see. The nuts generally are terrible. So cashews, almonds, peanuts, mm. those are the worst ones. Uh, and uh, so... Then there's a few spices like turmeric. Turmeric. Turmeric is full. So what other yeah. vegetables? I mean, do, do regular run-of-the-mill like broccoli and uh, lettuce and stuff like that, do they have oxalates in them? 
the lettuce is really, really low. Oh, cool. You can consider lettuce to be almost zero. And cabbage is the same way. Just regular head cabbage is very low. And broccoli is one of those in the same family with cabbage, and it's a little bit more medium. So in the beginning of changing your diet, you don't have to worry about broccoli so much. If you're trying to get really low later on, you don't need to do that um, quickly. You can boil the broccoli and lower the oxalate in it um, if you boil it, you know, with the tests, I'll boil it like 12 minutes, which you couldn't really do because you would have soup. You know, I don't know that three minute boils and then it starts to fall apart. But that still uh, leaches out some of the oxalic acid into the cooking water. So you throw out the water and eat the broccoli. Uh, it's not cooking. It's not heat that's changing anything. The heat doesn't affect oxalate much unless you're like, you know, fire heat, mm. like 400 degree heat, which you don't do in the kitchen. Mm. Uh, so you need, but boiling can sometimes leach it out in a few vegetables. It doesn't work so well with asparagus, but asparagus is low enough that if you eat a sort of modest portion, uh, you can do that as well. So, yeah. So if we're just getting a few oxalates, it appears in our, can we assume that in, in a low oxalate environment, if you're careful, the body gets rid of them, Sally, as they go? Does get rid of them? Yes. The, the, there's um, a basically three big research studies that that back the theory of how this works in terms of how much mm. you can have that creates the deposits in the body and how to undo the deposits so there's something called a trigger dose which is about an ounce and a half of chocolate a trigger dose elevates oxalate levels in the blood enough to start new deposits in the body and then there's a maintenance dose which isn't well defined but it's less than a trigger dose which might be half an ounce of chocolate a few french fries a peanut butter cup something and that maintains the deposits that are in the body but if you quit eating them below those levels or don't ever do trigger doses again and have three or four or five days with very little oxalate then the body's like oh okay winter time winter traditionally in the old 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 days didn't have a lot of produce going on in it and didn't have a lot of nuts it was hunting and fishing was the primary diet. So every year in in more hunter-gatherer days, you know, sort of real paleo days, you'd have a winter season where you weren't eating oxalates at all. And the body's like, oh, I know. And this is my time to clean up get from all that mess from the summer. Yeah. So, But you haven't had winter because nobody eats pure meat anymore. Everyone's afraid of eating meat. And so you've <laughs> built up this maintenance the trigger mess in your tissues, your thyroid gland, your bones, your joints, you name it. And now when you go into winter, what I, a low oxalate diet is what I call the winter diet, where the body wants to remove the mm -hmm. oxalates, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a toxic process. And the amount that you've got to remove in modern times is uh, uh, dangerous, oh, yeah. actually. You're, you're actually holding a dangerous toxic load of oxalate in your body. So let's go through that trigger dose again. So when I was doing, and many people doing a lot of cacao in their smoothies, right? You do two or three tables, you know, a lot, because um, more is better. Um, so, uh, w what's that trigger dose do to the body? What goes on? It's elevating the concentration of oxalate in the blood, right? Making enough available that it's sticking to those dead, dying, inflamed, infected areas of the body. Oh, that's not good. No, that's not good. And these oxalates are little crystals, kind of that. That are cutting as well? Are they actually once they form crystals, yes. The the, the mm. foods when you eat them have both the crystals and the acid. So the acid is a, a molecule that's 
called an ion, you know, has a charge on it. Mm -hmm. So it's a tiny molecule, has two little carbons mm -hmm. and four oxygens. And that little tiny molecule just floats into the body on the water because when you're digesting your food, there's these little gaps between the cells of natural gaps between the cells of the digestive tract where water flows in and they're hooked together by this velcro like protein each cell is one side of the velcro that's how the cells form this nice sheet of, of epithelial tissue is these little velcro hooks hold all the cells together so mm. they're hooking to each other wow. but velcro if you can picture velcro there's water could flow right through velcro right because right. there's space in it so the water flows in, so does the acid. The oxalic acid comes in on that water and other minerals coming into the body. That stuff is the acid that's now free-flowing and grabbing. What it does is it's a chelator of minerals. So it'll grab calcium, magnesium, iron, and so on. And it starts connecting with magnesium and calcium. And then when it's got debris around like broken cells, that triggers it to come into crystal form. So it changes from a molecule to a set of molecules that set up a crystal hmm. inside your tissues. So inside your tissues, your teeth, your jaws, your sinus glands, your whatever, you are forming crystals in place all over. These are toxic nanocrystals that grow to become microcrystals. And filling up your body with toxic nano and microcrystals is a terrible idea. When it happens in your lungs with other particles, we call it asbestos. Osis, asbestosis when oh. you're breathing these little particles and they get stuck in your lung that creates a chronic inflammatory disease which ruins your lungs but you're not breathing in oxalate although you can because it is in the air by the way it's in polluted air oxalic acid is one of those acids that make acid rain and make air polluted but when you're eating it the acid flows into your bloodstream and then it's in the body where it's stealing minerals from your body and then becoming crystals so the crystals represent not just the toxicity that's harmful to tissues that is sharp that the immune cells have to sequester and deal with it's also sucking minerals nutritional minerals and kind of turning them bad into this toxic calcium oxalate how long you've been an oxalate girl looking at this thing how long I um, was first recognizing I needed to learn about oxalates in 2009. And mm. then my big revelation happened in 2013. And by early 2014, I was spending every Sunday at the medical library studying. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Sally Kane Norton is with us. If you'd like to be on the show, 888-663-6386. Email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So just after 45 minutes, uh, a newly... Um, reintroduced to this whole oxalate thing, it sounds to me like why would we want to eat any oxalates? I mean, what's the point? Are there foods that have oxalates that if we don't eat them, we're going to be missing out on something? Absolutely not. Oh. There is nothing about these foods that have the oxalate in them that are necessary. There's no way it's critical to human health to eat this toxin or to eat the other things in those foods. You can get nutrients from safer foods that are low in oxalate. There's lots of produce if you believe that you need produce. And a lot of people are saying, look, human beings spent lots of times in history where they yes. could get by just eating meat. You see that like in Alaska and in the historical record that 
certain subpopulations live principally a carnivore diet and yeah. they do very well on that. So there's not really good evidence that in any way that you require even fiber, let alone vegetables. But you can eat a vegetable rich diet. You can even stay vegetarian and, and avoid oxalates because there's plenty of If you of wanted to, right. If you wanted to, if you if believe. You wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a good place to start because you won't go too low too fast. If you jump from cacao spinach smoothies to carnivore you're making such an abrupt change you're telling the body loud and clear here's your chance here's your chance here's your window get out, now. get out now get out now and that's not good because that turns on inflammation that can create mast cell activation syndrome it can create food allergies it can even promote cancer hmm. to turn on your immune system to get rid of this mess the crystals promote cancer in breasts especially yeah uh here's an email from randy uh, I've been carnivore about the same time as Patrick. I started when he did. Oh, sure. Don't you want to do what I do, kids, because you're getting in trouble. I'm crazy. Anyway, and he says, oh, he said, I just started getting some little itchy bumps on my ankles, and uh, they just itch, and uh, I don't know where they come from. Could this be oxalates coming out of my, my body? That sounds classic. Classic? Is that classic oxalate? <laughs> yes, some kind of skin reaction that's sometimes itchy. Some people it's not. Mine were not itchy. I had a lot of peeling skin, especially on my feet. Wow. Feet are a common place to have issues. So it's not surprising that it's his ankles because it seems like eyes and feet and hands and fingers are very common as our neck and shoulder blades and shoulders, common spots, carpal tunnel. So yeah, the skin, usually there's some kind of skin response in the ears following a change to a low oxalate diet so they will not choose maybe are they are they choosing to come out in the skin the largest organ yeah the largest organ of detox and excretion is the skin no. i consider it a superpower this is one of my things like there's the body gets rid of oxalate through urine it gets right. rid of oxalate through feces too sure, and it, it must right Talent turns it up when your kidneys are stressed and you're acidic. It turns up that power. So you can get gritty stools, burning burning rectum, hemorrhoids. These can all be responses to getting rid of it. And then there's the skin. And some people are really good at the skin excretion of oxalate. Pushing out these crystals right to the surface because they're near the surface is brilliant rather than having to dissolve it down, put it back in the bloodstream, and make your poor kidneys deal with it. So those of you who can get it out through the skin – Hallelujah, that's great. Hall you know, I, I, that's what I attribute my, my very low, the bladder thing's been the only thing, and I want cold turkey, you know. Boom, from from oxalate wow. heavy to, to carnivore in one day. But I do, I've do. i been doing saunas for 10 years, so maybe maybe I've been just getting them out, you know, ongoing. I'm sure it's been helping. I really think sauna is so important. It helps to correct the inflammation in the body. Uh, it triggers all kinds of important healing responses i try to get all my clients doing sauna as often Good. as they can yeah uh this is from sophie is there any evidence that high oxalate in in the body could be a tribute to cancer there is um, two studies that show that oxalic acid and another one that shows oxalate crystals in the breast both cause breast wow. cancer in the breast in the breast there's the breast uh, there's this something there's this transition that happens as the immune cells try to go after the crystals that turn normal breast cells into cancer cells and also turn them into bone cells where you get these uh, calcium deposits so you start off with calcium oxalate deposits 
then the body tries to get rid of those and often succeeds. But the process of getting rid of the oxalate deposits creates another kind of calcification that's associated with a very aggressive kind of breast cancer. Hmm. Oh. Uh, is there any no substance somebody wants to know an emailer that help get oxalates out of the body? Any supplements? Calcium. Calcium. Is the binder. Yeah. Calcium is a binder. It helps to trigger the body, tell the body it can get rid of it. It helps the uh, colon get rid of oxalates. So if there's calcium there to catch it, Calcium and oxalate love each other. When there's lots of calcium around, it really helps the body get rid of the oxalate. So, and that's the citrate is the other one. So you can buy calcium in a calcium citrate form, and then you get both. You get the benefit of citrate. Magnesium citrate is helpful. Potassium citrate is helpful. Those are all good. It helps to restore the minerals that are being lost, both in the process of oxalate getting in and in the process of oxalate getting out. You continue to lose minerals. So those are the basic ones for helping your body. Here is a little plug for a product that we've been using for years, Sally, and it's from Pearl, from Real Pearl, and it's heavy calcium, and it's called Pearlsium, and you can take it internally, and it's been proven that it doesn't end up in your arteries, but it actually goes in your bones. Real calcium from a once-living source. Pretty cool, huh? That's, that's the kind of calcium cool. we recommend. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You can brush your yeah. teeth with and it, And there too. is good research showing that calcium supplements do not calcify your arteries. They, they don't. Calcium supplements help you live longer and with less illness so even the, even the stuff made in a lab in the pills you're saying they don't end up it's in still your safe. cool yes very good oxalate helps to turn your artery cells the ones the muscle cells in the arteries it does the same thing that it's doing in the breast where it's turning normal breast cells into cancer cells in and into bone cells well in the arteries oxalate can mess up the way the cells read their you know the way they function and they can become bone-producing cells. That's how you create calcification in the arteries is you damage your arteries and the, and the cells get confused about what kind of cell they are. It's not the calcium sticking to your arteries. It's because you've damaged your arteries that they're now gone rogue and they're, they're pretending and they're bone cells. And then the cholesterol and the calcium comes in to patch it up? Yeah, the cholesterol is like a Band-Aid or, mm -hmm. you know, Bactine. It helps to deal with the inflammatory problem and the just the fundamental tissue injury. Calcium or the oxalate is help. The cholesterol is helping as a Band-Aid and oxalate sticks to areas where you've got injury. So you'll see this all together and oxalate gets mixed up with other problems because it's the problem areas that can't defend themselves from the oxalate. Oh, I see. Because the weakened part of the system that's where these things can co can gather and have a party and build condominiums. Right. And that's why it looks so different in every person. Yeah. Because every person's got vulnerabilities and situation that's unique to them. Sure. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, we recently, uh, did just recently saw a great uh, piece of work from Zoe Harkham. You know Zoe? And, sure. Uh, oh, it's all about fiber, and we're going to do a show with her on fiber. And it sure looks like oh. fiber, we don't need it. I mean, every, wow, I mean, come on. I mean, it's like, what do you, what do fiber you? Fiber indiscriminately feeds whatever's growing in the gut. And so if you got the wrong things growing, you're just promoting that dysbiosis with fiber, whereas the gut cells try to garden the, the microbiome, and they'll feed them little bits of mucus and things to try to, control who's growing in the gut the body we keep thinking we can tell the body how to be healthy right yeah <laughs> he already knows how to do it <laughs> that's right 
we want to control it, right? We got control issues. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's like, okay. But I mean, fruits and vegetables and rice and everything's got fiber in it. Yeah, yep. Um, but, you know, some fiber is worse than others. And bran, by the way, which is a, a classic fiber from the 1980s, right. is very high in oxalate. So the whole grain thing got us in trouble with more fiber that's hard to digest and is a little tough on your system and, and may produce dysbiosis. But the oxalate in the fiber also produces dysbiosis. So, uh, you know, oxalate is toxic in many ways, not just to you, but to the bacteria that you like in your gut. So the whole cereal industry promoting all this, uh, these, these cereals are full of oxalates as well as bran that we don't need, right? Right, right. Yeah, Zoe talked about, she, she dug deep to a lot of this research, and a lot of it was, fun, most, most of it was funded by Kellogg's and, and, <laughs> and all the rest of Well, and the idea about bran came on way before Kellogg's. Sure. It was a whole fad in the early 1800s of eating bran, and that's where the Graham flour came from. This guy named uh, Graham tried to live on just bran. Oh, yeah, and the the guy who was the uncle of uh, Louisa May Alcott tried to live on just bran. He was Dr. Alcott, and his brother was the dad of Louisa May Alcott. She wrote Little Women, and so there was this whole elite crew that were holier than thou who were into bran and yeah. vegetarianism and stuff. So it's see. been morally superior to live on sawdust for a long time. Yeah. I think it kind of tricks people into believing because when you eat a lot of fiber, you have to go to the bathroom a lot. And they think if they're going to the bathroom a lot, then they're healthier. Because, oh man, I'm pooping two, three times a day. This is great. I'm doing good. But why is it coming out if if you need it? I mean, that's what I start thinking about well, after. You realize that most of the bulk of your stool is dead bacteria? Just dead bacteria. Is bacteria the right. huge bulk of your stool? So the more bacteria, the bigger your stool, and you're feeding that extra bacteria, that overgrowth, that intestinal overgrowth with fiber and bran. So bacteria that you don't need, you say that's what's coming out. Bacteria that that's we that's part of what's bulking up the stools. In mm -hmm. addition to the water, the water absorbing power of the fiber is getting a lot of credit. It's some of it, but some of it is just that you have this. You got to poop more to get rid of this excess, uh, you know, populations of right. bacteria. Yeah. Do you think it's true as many of the carnivore gurus out there, and there's a lot of them, we've interviewed a lot of them, they just say that these vegetables ferment and, and they're just not, we just don't even need them. Even oxalates, forget about oxalates, we don't even need them if they were clean. Do you think that's possible? <clears throat> well, I have personally been living without vegetables except for occasional squash, occasional mm -hmm. like fruity vegetables, squash and red peppers yeah. and, you know, some pickles and capers. But I, I haven't been eating frank vegetables for three or three and a half years. And you don't miss them. I, I know. I And I used to be a very good vegetable eater and huge like three vegetables a salad and, a, and an entree like wow. every night no matter how much i worked i would mm. do that every night and take soups with vegetables for lunch and even eat sweet potatoes for breakfast like i was into it for <laughs> a long long time <laughs> so and now i don't after three and a half years of no vegetables what have you noticed can you notice things you say well i'm i'm really doing better without them or i have no difference so what's your experience with that 
Yeah, less bloating and just generally uh, generally feel better. And it, I think the main advantage of, of not eating a lot of vegetables and getting off the oxalate, this combination is especially helpful for just getting off the oxalate will help this. But uh, being able to hear your body tell you, hey, I don't want that. Don't right. feed me that anymore. Right. You, can, you can have a better relationship with your body and find out what's working well for you and what isn't. I think there's a lot of noise in the system when you're toxic. I couldn't agree more. I think, and that's well said the way you did it. Uh, my little has never been quieter in the last four months from going total meat based. Never been quieter. And you can feel anything that is not quite right. Anything, right? Because you, you're quiet all the time. And I, I love the way you said that. There's a lot of noise going on, and you can't hear anything because there's a lot of noise going on. But I, I don't even, I mean, you don't have to fart. Excuse my French. Did you? You don't, you don't bloat, you just quiet, you know, you eat, and okay, well, that was good, and then you work, and then you eat when you get hungry again. Yeah, I, I just don't see anything unless, you know, aliens drop uh, carnivore bombs on us or something and that I'd ever go back to eating the way I was. And I've only been four months, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hard to convey that to someone who hasn't. It seems so radical know, to cut out vegetables. Vegetables are our saviors, Patrick. It's our, you must go the line. Vegetables are our saviors. What is the matter with you? <laughs> I know. Five fruits and vegetables a day, right? That's what they, they say. Okay, here's one. Yeah. I've, been, I've been drinking almond milk alone and with smoothies for years. I will, I will stop, but for what it has done, I will stop, but what has it done to my body? Question mark. I'm healthy with no problems, never get colds. So CC says, well, what's up? Should I just quit? I think she's just going to quit. Good. Uh, so nice to have know that your listeners are so proactive and able to change their minds and experiment with things. I really congratulate people who can do that. And one thing to look for, I would go get a bone density scan to huh. see how your bone minerals are doing because the oxalate is sucking the minerals out of your bones and creating osteopenia. You can... Um, Think back if you've had a history of sinus infections or yeast infections or things like that that are kind of like repetitive little annoying infections. Those are signs of uh, damage to the immune system, which will get better. Uh, so there there may be some signs that the thyroid gland gets messed up with oxalate. So if you have a little wobbly thyroid or low mm. hormones, those can all be oxalate related. Mm. It's an interesting experiment that people can do without hurting themselves, right, Nick? Yeah, just, not eating yeah. chocolate. I mean, that can't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, <laughs> it might cause you to get a counseling session. Yeah, you might have to go to go to therapy, right? I can't eat. Yeah. I can't eat chocolate. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you can actually have a little bit of chocolate. It's actually therapeutic to keep a little oxalate in the diet. Mm -hmm. So if you can live without Swiss chard, start there. If you live without keto almond bread, definitely start there. And wait on the chocolate for later and just be reasonable. Don't eat an entire bar. Oh, that's another thing I was doing. I just thought about it. I was doing these almond tortillas like all oh, yeah. every day. I was almond crazy. I have this crazy almond. Wow. Well, we need to keep checking in every year. We'll do an annual Patrick check-in yeah, because I have a feeling in year three, you're going to be sick with some oxalate Oh, detox come on. No, no I'm not going to buy into that. No, I'm not, doing, I'm okay. not going there. Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm not going Because there. it would be maybe an end of one study about how sauna and other things that you're doing right. have had have, some degree of protective effect. Um, I think it would so. Be, you'd, be a, you'd make a wonderful 
research study. So let's sign <laughs> up your carcass for okay. science just in case somebody hits you I'm with in. the truckers. I'm in. I'm in. Okay, this is from Gloria. Oh, no, I love to bake potatoes. Aren't any potatoes good for us? If you could switch to, like, the little new skin, the little thin skin, red potatoes that are boiling potatoes, those are a little bit lower in oxalate. So you can have kind of a normal serving of them and get away with it, especially in the beginning. The problem with baked potatoes is they're not only higher in oxalate, but they're huge, and we eat big portions <laughs> yeah, of them. yeah. Yeah. And and they're turned into chips and fries. It's very high in that bioavailable form of the oxalic acid that chips and fries are. So, when you yeah. say the little red potatoes, are they? Um, they do have oxalates. Just to, they're the one of the lowest. They're much lower than the baking potatoes, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But you wouldn't eat them a couple times a week or anything. Well, it depends on what else you're eating. Because there's room, there's wiggle room for a little bit of oxalate in your diet. So if you're not eating like carnivore wants a half cup of boiled potatoes, you could probably do that every day. And that might be good. Because if you keep a little oxalate in the diet, your body is less eager to pull it out of your thyroid gland and your bones and make you sick huh. on the getting rid of it part. Because we don't want to dump too much of this stuff back in your bloodstream too fast. So keeping a little bit of potatoes or a bite of chocolate in dinner is or you know maybe a half cup of beets or something or some carrots the these are strategies for not being zero oxalate in the diet and maybe trying to convince the body to be a little gentle in the clean out process mm. i like to experiment so after not any grains i did uh about three scoops of wild rice last night just for fun so i'm going to see what it does right i had fish wild rice and my i i, I it felt like i had a bomb in my stomach until like two in the morning just wild rice. I mean, come on. Oh. What's up with that? What's a scoop? How much was well, that? Well, I think a scoop would be like a tablespoon, so maybe three a tablespoons. Cooked, just like barely a quarter cup. Yeah, well, cooked up, it fluffs up a lot, and I had a pretty oh, good okay, hit of so it. Oh, okay, so dried. Yeah, dried. So you had like a cup of rice. Yeah, like a cup of wild rice. Wild rice yeah. is more of a seed, isn't it? More of a seed, so... I don't know. The I, seeds, yeah, wild rice is... Isn't kind it? of high-ish in oxalate. I don't know if there's been many tests of it, though. My body didn't like the it. Seeds, generally, the, many foods we eat are seeds. The grains are seeds, the beans are seeds, the spices are seeds, 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 seeds. And like you said earlier, these are the plant babies. They're well defended, and that defense includes oxalic <laughs> yeah, acid. No, don't, don't eat my grandchildren. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> my grandchildren. Don't eat my grandchildren. So, you will pay. <laughs> so if you could, oh, you will pay and own nothing. So if you want to do potatoes, it'd be the little red ones are the best, right? The little red ones. Are yeah, the or the, probably the other new skin potatoes are probably low. There just hasn't been enough research. There's many varieties mm. of potatoes, and it would take a tremendous amount of interest and money to do the that kind of detailed research. So keep the portions modest and go with the little red skin ones and fill up yeah. on a nice chocolate of roast beef. Do you think there's any benefit, because I've, I've done very little in four months, over four months now, of having some carbs just for fun, like honey, or just, do you think the body likes a little bit of carbs? Yes. No. But especially amongst us who have been oxalate damaged. The oxalic acid is sitting on enzymes that produce ATP in cells and sitting on enzymes that help us produce muscle glycogen, sitting on enzymes that help us produce blood sugar. So uh, me especially, but many of my clients do better with a big load of carbs a couple nights a week huh. with 
thinner. It, we just have much more energy. We sleep much better because we're. it's easier for us to keep our blood sugar even. And I have very low insulin levels. When I get mine tested, it's like one. Yeah. The um, A1C, so, and that's A1. thanks to eating yeah. mostly a carnivore diet right. and, and being able to eat two meals a day and, and not being hooked on car unhooking from carbs. And now that I'm completely unhooked, I can have a pile of carbs, what I consider now a pile of carbs, which is still less than most people, right? Right. But I can do that and and feel better, sleep better, have more energy, and not feel hungry and not feel carb addicted. That's a great achievement, and that combination of cleaning up the carbs and getting rid of the oxalate is. Uh, but you still need support so you can keep your blood sugar even. So if your body t- does better on some carbs, believe your body. Yeah. Do not sign up for diet rules and diet. Yeah, clubs. I mean, you know, and I was saying the other day, like Woody Allen, I don't want to belong to a club that'll let me in. So I don't want to be a carnivore. If it'll let me into the club, I don't want to be it because, no, I understand what you're saying. And I get emails all the time, uh, Sally. Well, if I do carnivore, can I do that? Well, yeah, you can You can do whatever you want. Whatever you want. You're not joining a club. You don't have a secret handshake or anything. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> but you know these carnivore gurus out there, they get, they get a little crazy and they're fun. You know, I, I understand. Well, you know, they're trying to get people over the hump of the addiction, I think. And so they get these very strict ideas like you have to do this challenge and this and that. And that that gives people the motivation to be part of something exciting to get over the pretzels and the potato chips and whatever other junk is ruining their diet. So nothing wrong with that. I can understand it. But I've always been one about working with an individual and helping them find a path that's going to work for them. Right, 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 right. So... If animal foods don't have oxalates they don't not they, really not not worth worrying about mm-hmm. uh you could you should write a book on bacon i think we could just live on bacon i mean that's my favorite <laughs> something about bacon i could eat three or four pieces of bacon i feel like i've just chewed on god or something it's like what Is how that? do you stop after three or four pieces well i don't <laughs> i don't know we have a, we have a uh, farmer's market here, a Sally, where it's a regenerative farm and they're feeding the pigs all um, mm, vegetarian diet. They get the food from really... Oh, not way. Because some classic way to raise pigs is to give them the, the side effects of cheese making and give them some whey. Oh, I, I don't know what else, but they don't give them any grains or corn or uh, anything. Oh, like. no corn is nice. None of the GMO grains. The That's really nice. Yeah, re- yeah. Boy, it's great. It's really Good. great bacon, you know. I do love pork too. I I get whole pigs. Uh-huh. I try to get them scalded so that I can have the head, and because the head is bacon with skin on it, it is delicious. Wow, you do the whole pig thing. You're really into it, girl. I do well in pork, although right now I'm taking a little break from it and mm-hmm. eating primarily a seafood diet to see how my body's doing. On well, that. I was going to ask you about seafood. I, I like seafood. I feel good when I do it. You think we need it? Do you think there's any issues with it? Well, I definitely think you have to be careful about your selection. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, the bigger the fish, the more mercury. People don't realize that swordfish is just totally inedible and full of mercury, and it's still available in in many fish stores. Yeah, so you it. have to. It's scary the swordfish thing, but so if you can use small fish, really little fish, and many of the shellfish are very low in mercury and quite safe to eat. Oysters are incredibly nutritious and considered very low and safe and toxins. Yeah. Um, so you just you have to be lucky enough to live in an area where you have good fishmongers who 
get fish in every day and get in there and talk to them about the quality of the fish and buy really nice, good fish and treat yourself. It's fantastic. I think some people really need the fish omega omega fatty acids, omega-3 fatty acids to feel good mentally, to have less anxiety and bipolar and whatever that their their general happiness depends on getting enough of those that's mainly the highest one there is salmon right salmon salmon um, mackerel sardines 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 will do it i mean the Hmm. poor man's brain food is sardines and you can eat them for breakfast my husband and i have been eating sardines for breakfast for 25 years oh i'm going to try that see i've been looking for things for breakfast so I don't know. I, I just can't get into a steak in, at, at seven in the morning. I don't know why. It's just I, not working for me, you know. I look at it and say, no, nah, I don't want that, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, Listen so, to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes Mr. Tummy knows, you know. I don't think we'll do. So I've been doing colostrum. But I want to try some uh, um, uh, sardines for breakfast. That'd be good. How about honey? Honey? What do we know about honey? That's honey, considered yeah. a superfood, though, really, isn't it, too? Some people really like honey and believe in it. I, I'm a person, which is common with us with oxalate poisoning, is I have a lot of um, allergies. Oh. And honey is a big wad of pollen. So it doesn't agree with people who can't handle a lot of pollen, I in th- my opinion. Mm-hmm. Some people think it helps you with allergies. It never did for me. Um, honey has a little bit of oxalate in it, but not too much to be worried about it. Uh, so, you know, again, it's an individual thing. It's very high in fructose, which concerns me that, you know, fructose is on the hit list for certain people are really anti-fructose. Um, so I don't know. I don't recommend honey. I, I like like organic sugar and, um, rather we just do a little sugar just to beat you. Yeah. I believe in real sugar, not fake sugars, all the fake sugars. Forget that you're, you're triggering the same mechanisms in the body that create carb addiction anyway so you might as well just if you need the carbs then get honest about it if you want a dessert be honest about it make (laughs) portions reasonable make it a special occasion don't pretend that you can have dessert like special occasion foods every day because you're now using fake sugar yeah so 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 then i would uh i guess imagine then you're not a fan of beet sugar because there would be oxalates in beet sugar right well, sugar is very highly purified. So there, there is some oxalate in sugar, actually. So I forget how much, but I'm guessing uh, a rounded half cup might have even as much as 20 milligrams of sugar, depending on how much refinement. I think the more refined it is, the less oxalate in it. Hmm. So that would yeah. be just good old CH. CNA sugar, pure cane sugar from Hawaii would probably be the... What organic is really important with sugar. And it really is important with all foods, but it's surprisingly important with sugar. If you're going to use sugar, I like coconut sugar, but always organic. Oh, so you... Turbinado, any of that. Coconut sugar is good, huh? You like coconut? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think it has some nice trace elements in it as well. What about coconut milk? Coconut milk is great. Is um, for, you know, if we trust the canning process, you know, yeah, it's, right. we can get fresh ones. You can get fresh coconut time. milk. Like, yeah, you can get it fresh. Uh, fresh and organic. Uh, no, well, it's been pasteurized. It's in a. It's it's been a thing. Yeah. So I use coconut milk a lot in my recipes. I have a recipe book on my website, and you'll see I use it a lot because I'm trying to provide recipes that are dairy-free, egg-free, gluten-free, soy-free, so that <laughs> no matter what your issues are, you can find good options for low-oxalate eating, including if you love vegetables. There's plenty of those, and I have, you know, on my site, you can get 
probably a hundred vegetable recipes that are low oxalate. So uh, I think, uh, did I hear you say, or do you like the zucchini squash is pretty good, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it's it's um, moderately low in oxalate, so you can keep that around. Yeah, mm -hmm. in case you want a little. Uh, uh, here's one and from winter squashes are even lower. Oh, the butternut, the spaghetti squash, kabocha, acorn. Those are all even lower. Hmm. Here is a charmine. Does seaweed have a lot of mercury in it? Is it a good idea to consume seaweed, chlorella, spirulina, these superfoods? Is that in your book? <clears throat> I didn't talk about them very much. They're not very high in oxalate, except some of the seaweeds are higher than others. They haven't all been tested. We don't have really thorough testing for these more what would be considered exotic foods in this country. Um, they're not a priority food, so they're not a priority to be tested in terms of oxalate. I, I also have not studied um, if the sea plants collect heavy metals or not, so I can't answer that. We don't know. We don't know. Mm -mm. Do we know if these things like spirulina and all those are even good for us? I mean, are we still eating these things sometimes and we don't know? Well, I know they're really high in purines. So if people have gout and are told they have to be on a purine-controlled diet, you wouldn't want them for sure because they're, they're bad for gout patients in theory. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't looked at them particularly, but the same kind of thing applies where we keep thinking these compounds have antioxidant effects but the effect is really just about telling the body to get with it hmm. but do it themselves I, I guess they could have a lot of different minerals and stuff that we we like like seaweed yeah yeah the sea well that's true huh. i mean there's that's one reason why we we like sea salt because it has trace minerals uh -huh. in it right Right. And the ancient salts are better because it doesn't have the modern plastics and mercury in, in it. Modern plastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Here is one from Frank. What about, you've not mentioned dairy, what about raw milk, goat's milk, cow's milk, things like that? Uh, good for us? Question mark? Calcium and the other nutrients in milk are incredibly protective against oxalate poisoning oh. and helps you recover from it. Hmm. So if your body gets along with raw milk, A2 milk uh, and butter and cream, live it up and enjoy it. And yeah. I would recommend though, because if you're on a, if you're, if you've had a high oxalate diet in the past and now you're low oxalate and you're eating milk, the chances of you developing a food sensitivity and tolerance go up with this oxalate inflammation post flow oxalate. So I would, put it on a rotational schedule and take two, three days off every week of dairy just to make sure you don't become intolerant to it. Yeah. To try to yeah. to try to never be able who wants to be allergic to heavy cream and no, no you don't. No, you don't want to do that. And butter? Don't do that. No, <laughs> uh, no, I live on butter. I'm a little sensitive to milk, so we get raw A2 cream and milk here, but I don't touch it. I stick with butter and cheese. Yeah, and you like cheese? Yeah. And the, the, for those of us who are a little bit reactive to dairy or seem to be it's hard to tell with dairy because other th you're probably reacting to other things and dairy is this thing that when you eat it it the body speaks and i think dairy gets blamed more often than it should for other kinds of food intolerances that are hard to figure out um so i stick with like parmesan and cheddar and gouda and like the really late stage kind of cheeses and stay away from moldy soft cheeses that yeah. are full of yeah. random it's easy to become allergic to mold so Moldy cheeses I stay away from. Well, in the last of my very limited time as a heavy meat eating dieter, I, is, is I've learned a lot about fat. 
Baby, I do good on fat. I tell you what. <laughs> you know, I've been doing now, I've been just eating spoonfuls of tallow, beef tallow, grass-fed beef tallow. And my elimination, easier, more often. It seems like, oh, Mr. Colon likes the fat. Do we know what's going on there? I have not studied that, but I've experienced that. Have you? Yeah. 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 Low, low fiber, high fat makes... It, kind of constipation go away yeah just and that's one reason i like the pig face because it's pure fat it's just pure fat yeah we <laughs> we have a guest on that talks about ham hocks and pig's feet and all that and she's really into the yeah. pig thing she lives down in a doctor who lives in and and uh in panama and uh boy she recommends that for everything just you know eat some ham hocks and you know you'll be good <laughs> Well, Central America is very good at sticking a pig on a spit and making happy parties and happy yeah. people. Well, what happens when, like Patrick or someone, we just eat extra fat? Where, where does that go? What does it do? What does it do? <clears throat> you need the energy. I, you know, I think that we're actually haven't studied it in, in the right kind of way to understand it. We we're going off of. Research that started in the late 1800s when we started to realize, get the technique for measuring calories in food, mm -hmm. thinking it was a matter of numbers. Like there's an energy equivalent in each kind of food and fat's got nine calories per gram. And so it's got the most energy. So therefore it must be the most fattening. But that's a logical deduction, not a scientific observation. Huh. A logical, Different. Yeah. Our logic isn't playing out. If it were, we wouldn't have a society that was fat and diabetic and sick and on drugs. Yeah. But is it, do, right? is it true then that the body, the brain, is, is using fat rather than sugar? Is that correct? Ketone bodies are one of the preferred uh, sources of energy, but the brain still needs you to have your blood sugar at the right level, not too low, not too high, just right. And... <laughs> That's why sometimes eating some carbs is okay because your body might be struggling to keep your blood sugar where it should be because your brain does need some sugar. I think it causes a certain degree of panic to the brain if your blood sugar is low, and it make, that makes it hard to sleep. If blood sugar is low. Yeah. What would be a yeah, reason? Because the brain is thinking, oh my gosh, the blood sugar is low. You must need to go eat. You should get up and go hunting. Get out of bed right now. And it's hard to sleep when your body's, your brain's like, no, no, I need more sugar. Get up and get me some sugar. <laughs> Do we have an idea of what um, um, a, a reasonable or some kind of a um, goal on a fasting blood sugar, you know, with the little blood test thing in the morning? Yeah, well, blood. we've always said in nutrition that your blood sugar when you're fasting should be around 80. Mm -hmm. And so if it's somewhere between, you know, the high 70s down to, into the low 90s, that's considered pretty good. Yeah, right around that. I've tested mine some mornings, and it's a 40 or 50. Yeah, so that's why you're needing the carbs. So I should eat, eat a few more carbs and get it up there. At dinner. At dinner. Oh, at night. Just have add some yeah, have fish. it at night, and because it, what's happening is at night is when your body's doing all its healing and recovery work yeah. and helping to yeah. get rid of oxalates, and so it's using a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy to clean oxalates out and do mm -hmm. all that work, and you may be, you know, kind of burning out. You're you're having trouble making keeping your blood sugar up. Yeah, so um, 
Is it okay then to put, uh, did I hear somebody, I hope it wasn't you, because I, 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 I won't listen to it if it is, but put butter on potatoes. It's okay, right? Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, God. Butter on everything. Butter on your knife, butter yeah. on your fork, butter on your fish. I, I put butter on my steak. I eat butter steak, butter with my steak, you know, it's just, whoa. Yeah. So, so maybe, well, one of the reasons I, I went to a more meat diet, because when I eat carbs at night, I felt, I felt I didn't feel good after I ate them. You know, I just uh, an hour later, I just lost it. I just, I was worthless. I couldn't work on my writing projects. But when I do meat, it doesn't happen like that. But maybe it was because I was just doing the carbs and not the protein with it. Maybe. Yeah. So there's different responses to the sugar in the diet, and one of them can be just a blood sugar problem, where you're absorbing the sugar so quickly because oh. the stomach doesn't hold the food if there's not protein and fat in the meal. Ah. So if you're eating a carb by itself, it just turns into hot sugar, rushes into the bloodstream. The body and the pancreas goes, "Oh, it's Thanksgiving. We got a giant meal. Let's crank out stuff." And so you put out too much insulin. And the response is the cells pick up all that sugar and then there's nothing else behind it because huh. it was a little blip. So you get a crash. So a blood sugar crash will, will That's crash what I was experiencing. You. Yeah, that was our experience. That's probably it. Yeah. And some people, their crash is more of an allergy crash to a food. Hmm. And you can have a similar feeling like, oh man, I'm suddenly useless. Hmm. And that isn't always a blood sugar crash. But with allergies, blood sugar can crash. Hmm. So it could be both. So if we want to have steak at night, then do you have a few little red potatoes or and some fat, even more fat, add some more tallow or something like that, and that'll help you. That will help, help you slow smooth. down those carbs, yeah. so you can burn them evenly, and that'll help you keep your blood sugar even hmm. during the night. And that's why we wake up often is blood sugar is is low. Probably. Well, the other reason you'd wake up is because the oxalate crystals are filling up your bladder, and your bladder can't take it. <laughs> And if you're a nighttime trotter and need to pee more than once a night, you could be having high oxalates being excreted from the tissues at night. Well, this has been great fun. Thank you for being here. Uh, So tell folks uh, what's going on with this pre-order. What's the deal? So this is the name. This is the food. You can see it on the screen. Toxic Superfoods, Sally K. Norton. And what's going on with pre-order? How does that work? Yeah, so you can order this book anywhere any bookstore that you love online sources you can go to your local independent store ask them to get it for you you can order it straight from the publisher this comes from penguin random house um please order it before it's on the bookshelves because you will get a free gift which is about 10 recipes and an introduction to you know eating and cooking low oxalate and a little bit about you know the book is a thank you for doing so. And what we're doing as a community is creating a bestseller when it comes out. So there'll be a little blip on Amazon and so on. It says, oh, Toxic food, Superfoods is an interesting book and an interesting topic. So that's the goal is to just help more people discover this topic by pre-ordering it so we get on that little bestseller list. So, cool. And so and, people and can pre-order it anywhere, it, like, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, you can order it anywhere and you'll you'll be getting it at the same time as everybody else and you won't be behind the times. And how do you get the how do they get the little free gifty thing with the recipes? Oh, yeah, important wrinkle. You got to come <laughs> to my website and I've got a, a tab on my website, sallykaynorton.com, look for the book tab. 
And there we're going to load. This isn't going to be available until around November 1st or so. Somewhere in early November, you'll be able to redeem your free gift. Right now, the publisher is going to make it look cute. So they're busy um, formatting it and everything. And then we're going to set up a link. So they'll be there. It's going to be setting up through the website so they can deal with the delivery so you can get it. But all you have to do is save your confirmation number or your receipt, and then you use that to get your free gift in November. And do we want to order the book through your website or somewhere else? You can order it through me because I'm not technically a retailer. Okay. Authors don't actually make any money on the book. It's the retailers that do. <laughs> <and> the, oh. <laughs> it's embarrassing how much the author spends and doesn't make. And all the time, yeah. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) So you can order from wherever, from the publisher or, you know, support your independent bookstore. Or if you order it from one of the major retailers online, that gives you a chance to do a review of the book and be part of the conversation. So that's that's a part of, I would love people to do reviews of the book, especially positive ones, so we can encourage other people to come learn about this topic. And well, and then maybe you know you never know. Quentin Tarantino could buy the the rights to your book and do a film. Let's talk, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic superfood. It is actually a film worthy topic. I just think so. History. The history of the science is so cool. I love the old science. It's really interesting yeah. and clever. I think you know, it'll be fun to do is a, is a real drama and just create a couple characters of people bad guys and good guys back in the 1800s. You know, I'd love to write that one, you know, where they're, where they're trying to sell you this and sell you that, and, and that'd be fun. Well, there was, there is a whole movie to be made about this. And yeah. that would, well, let's do that on another show because we could talk for half an hour about that movie about the war on toxins and pharmaceuticals and poor Golden Bird and how he ended up dying of oxalate poisoning uh, at 39. It's, there's a cool... Well, yeah, I'll talk that. to you about that someday because that's what that's what I want to do in, in my in my next career is just write screenplays. I'm right. I've written three of them, and I want to do it on really cool subjects. But I don't want to do documentaries. I want to do right. dramas with stories yeah. and create characters, you know, and have the drama there. And you know, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Doc- oh, there's a really rich uh, movie to make about there- this. The, the accidental poisonings from oxalic acid and other chemicals and how the pharmaceutical industry fought the... Oh, see there. Man, you got the, the drama, like, right? How do we put a skull and crossbones or warn people don't eat these things? It's, the pharmaceutical sellers didn't want to do that. Yeah. So there's a whole... there's this, And it's cool outfits in the 1800s, right? And you know all this stuff. Well, we'll do that someday, okay, baby? We'll do it, man. It'll, we'll just do it. We'll do it. It'll be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Well, you're just a, a pleasure to talk to you. You're so much fun, and thank you for being here. All the best with your book, and we'll give it a plug from time to time. I've got this slide, so during the week, I'll just kind of plug it and tell folks to pre-order, okay? That's lovely, and thank you for helping your listeners. It's awesome to well, be with you. It's, fun. It's, it's great fun. All right, my dear, you take care of yourself. Stay out of trouble now. You too. <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sally K. Norton, thanks for coming on the show. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. And why doesn't the slide work? Well, I'll make it work. I'll just force it. There it is. Okay. Well, now none of it's working. What can I tell you? Okay, I'm going to take a little break here, and uh, we will see you uh, Friday morning. On, and we'll continue our conversation about doing what you want to do and not what your little mind tells you to do 
and so you can be happy. And I don't know what's going on, but there are big things in the works for geopolitics, uh, financial world. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So we got to stay strong, be strong, be able to do what we want to do and not what everybody's telling us to do. That's what we talk about on Fridays, and we talked about it today. So we will continue to talk about it on Friday. I love you all very much. Thank you. Good job. We will see you Friday morning. Take care. Let me know if there's something I can do for you. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.